So one final question that you always answer, what would be the new piece of advice that you would give? Hmm. Or maybe if it hasn't changed, maybe it's- Can I tell you to take advantage of coronavirus? Here's why. Who do we have today? Dude, I'm excited about this one. Uh, We have Laura Harris. Every time we talk to you, it's just nonstop from the get. So what is... What, what has been one of the biggest mistakes that you've made throughout your, your career? I've made a <laughs> lot. When is it time to add, to add more staff? There's the ones who think, oh, it's a crisis. I've got to, I'm going to start saving money and hide and, and, and I need to be careful. And then you find the people that say, maybe there's some opportunity here. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. So That's right it. behind me. I'm sitting in a living room, and Laura, you already guessed it. I Just love it. On. The second you came on, I was like, the Brady Bunch. Hey, the I'm Brady almost 60. Bunch. I'll That's be 60 right. this year. I'm totally a Brady Bunch kid. <laughs> Who is your favorite character on the Brady Bunch? Uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha. Oh, yeah. Primarily oh. because she got hit in the face with a football. Mm. So it was kind of one of those things, but yeah, no, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed all of them. It was fun. It was fun because they were dysfunctional and they were innocent <laughs> and it was cute. And yeah, I, I was, I watched every show they ever had. I can promise yeah. you that. The laugh track. Yeah. <laughs> Best. So much fun. Goodness. Yeah. Well, so a lot has changed in the world since the last time you were on the show. Uh, a lot has changed. Pretty much everything. Yeah, the like, value of Zoom and Skype has gone through the ceiling. <laughs> overwhelming. Yes, I can yeah. tell you we're meeting with my teams all day long. I just need to find out how to do. Somebody says you can do Zoom breakout meetings. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, that's the one thing I've got on my to-do list. We keep a big long list of things that we need to get done. And that's one of them. It's like, nope, I got to figure out how to do Zoom breakouts. But we're addicted to Zoom at my office. Yeah. Nice. Well, and especially I, I went from two remote employees six months ago to now I've got five remote employees Mm -hmm. and they're not temporarily remote. They're going to be permanently remote. So it's the world is a changing and I'm amazed some of them work a lot better remote. And it's kind of like, you want to stay over there and don't have to drive all the way over here. That's cool with me. You know, as long as you can hit your numbers, we're good. It's, it's really interesting because in this kind of environment, I think you see, all of a sudden you see where there's the ones who think, oh, it's a crisis. I've got to, I'm going to start saving money and hide and, and, and I need to be careful. And then you find the people that say, maybe there's some opportunity here. Which one of those did you fall into? Laura? I, 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 I have to be completely honest. Um, my mother tells me I'm too honest and it's not a compliment when she says it. My first two weeks when this stuff started with coronavirus, I was in an absolute panic. I would wake up all through the night worrying about is everyone going to quit? Are we going to have zero production yeah. for six months? Are we going to all come down with it and give it to each other? I mean, I just, right. I could not stop my brain. I could not stop my brain. And I, after the first couple of weeks when I realized we were not going to all die and the end of the world <laughs> was not here. Um, and I heard this said recently and I just am so blown away by it. And the, the saying was never waste a crisis. And so I sat my team down and I told them, I said, you remember back in 2000, 2001, when we had a mold scandal in Texas, there was a hundred percent rate increase. We, it was completely and utterly nuts. The phones were ringing like crazy. I sent a 
hellacious email to everyone in the company all the way up to the very top and i mean the very 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 top complaining about some problems that were going on at the time with the claim service which is phenomenal now but not so much then so there was all of these things happening and let me tell you our team was stronger coming out of it then we had mm -hmm. hurricane harvey hit and we had over a thousand claims turned in and i can tell you we sat down and we came in like warriors and we we sat down every morning we came up with a game plan and and i can tell you everybody worked crazy not long hours i don't like long hours my people are supposed to work eight hours not a minute over that but i can tell you the amount of energy when we're in the middle of crisis and that's exactly what happened with this we came in the first day i sat everybody down i told them i guarantee you there will not be anyone in this operation that will lose a job in the first 90 days i can't promise you forever but i can promise you no one will lose their job for 90 days but we're going to have to work twice as hard as we've ever worked mm. and seriously we are on pace this month to do double the production uh, of our highest month ever before coronavirus so, so awesome it, it's awesome. like you know when when the um the battle is on we we go together well we work hard and i think as a leader it really challenges can you not only operate well, but can you create a strong team that doesn't revolve around you mm -hmm. where your leaders are leading and not just everything revolving out revolving around you? So I kind of like coronavirus. I don't want I want it to go away now. I'm kind of done. I'm over it. Um, matter of fact, Texas yesterday had over 4,000 new cases. I'm kind of over it, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to be okay. And we all, we now all know we're going to be okay. So now yeah. we've set a new level. And we can never go back to what we were doing before. So that's the coolness in all of it. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah, I we feel the same way. So you said you were stressed out. Um, and most agents are overwhelmed um, with everything that needs to get done. H how do you reduce the stress levels? I think the first thing that you do, and we've done this, we do this quite frequently, at least once every six months, is we will sit down and now it's just a rolling list and we will make a list of every single thing in our agency that's not functioning very well. And we call it, it's our what's not working list. So we keep a what's not working list at all times. And whenever I, today I got two emails from, I've got a sales leader and then a service team leader. And I got an email from him and say, add this to the what's not working list. And then we just keep that. And then we meet once a week and we each sit down and decide how we're gonna tackle that. So for anyone who hasn't read Rocket Fuel, Gino Wickman's book, he's kind of mm -hmm. the one that taught me that mentality. But what I've learned through um, the entrepreneurial operating system, which Gino Wickman created, is you have to break things that aren't working real well before you can actually fix things. So sitting down and making a list of everything that's not working and not being overwhelmed with the fact the first time we did this, guys, there were 140 things on the list. And Ooh, it was creepy. How much? It was 140 items we had listed. And this was two years ago in wow. June, two years ago. So when we started with our EOS coach and she's like, make a list of everything that's broken. We had 140 things when we first started. So, but I know now that until I was overwhelmed with all of that, but now we're in a much better place. So for example, I do not even have any type of email on my phone at all. No personal email, no mm. company email, no nothing. And I put in my eight hours and I go home because I feel like the team is working well. And so I don't feel all the pressure on my shoulders 
So if you can, over time, get to the place where you as a team are sitting down, identifying the issues, coming up with a plan, and you can't be the one with your hand up all the time being the solution to all the problems, um, it's amazing how much better things work and how much your stress level goes down. Yeah, I think that um, with, with your team, if you become the Google for your team, and you answer every question, you're training them that the only way to learn something or figure something out is to come to you, which is precisely what we don't want, right? If you have a got a minute all day long, you are going to lose your mind. So, you know, what are some effective solutions that you have for that kind of thing? You know, my mom was known as an encyclopedia. My mom was in the insurance mm. business uh, before I was, and I told her I will never do insurance. It has to be the most boring job in the whole wide world. <laughs> uh, but my mom was in insurance before me, and she was known as an encyclopedia. So when I became a business owner in the insurance industry, it was important to me to be an encyclopedia, to be the person that knew the answer to all the questions, to have everybody mm. come to me and I know the answer 100% of the time. And I eventually realized how dysfunctional that was because my ego was out of control. You couldn't get my hair yeah. head out of a door. And I then I go. realized I couldn't even go on vacation because everything was in my head. And so I spent the next 90 days, and this is what I recommend for agents, spend the next 90 days. Anytime someone comes and asks you a question, you need to stop and you do not tell them the answer. You have to show them Love where it. the answer is because the answer is on the computer somewhere, whether it's out on Google or it's inside of your company guideline stuff, whatever. It's somewhere out on the computer. It's not in a piece of paper on your desk. It shouldn't be on a piece of paper on your desk. Um, so the, my job, I know very clearly now, is to teach everyone where to find the answers. And there were some people who even after 90 days, they were really having a hard time with that. But what I understood is I have to get kind of crazy if I have to because there would be a day when someone would walk in and go, I don't know about this and this and this. And I, if it was someone who was repetitively over three months still doing it, I would say, do you need me to read to you? I mean, you know where the answer <laughs> is. So why should both of us stop and go read the guidelines when you know where to go read the guidelines? Because once they realize it's a non-negotiable that you expect them to be intelligent. I mean, we actually have little rocks that we keep on our desk that say, these are the things that we want to be. We want to be coachable, compassionate, consistent, resilient, autonomous, and team first. And I grabbed autonomous on person purpose because I need to work with people who want to be strong themselves, not just somebody who wants to work for a strong chick. And so teaching each one of them that and encouraging them and pouring into them. And every morning we have a team meeting at 9.30 on Zoom. And we talk about the questions that came up the day before, if they were complicated ones to make sure that everyone knows the answer now, but making sure that all the information they need is out there for them so that it doesn't revolve around me. Cause I've been a workaholic and it's not much fun. So, but Laura, is it, <laughs> wouldn't it take a lot more time for them to go find the answer when you have the answer. But it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how fast it is once they learn, oh, that's in the RMPs. I just type in the word homeowners. It's going to pull up homeowners. Then I can look right there. So at, at first, it is absolutely slower. There's no question. But it's the Love only it. way to eventually have autonomous people working in your operation. Right. And I, I twice a year before coronavirus, I twice a year, I go to Maui and I spend two weeks laying on the beach and I do not take my phone. I do not check emails. I do not do anything. I couldn't do that if I haven't spent 
several years with this process of showing everyone where to find the answers themselves. Mm -hmm. Love it. What, yeah. What's a, so they come to you, uh, not to go into the weeds here, but I, I love to hear how you, you actually, you take them, you show them. I show them where the answer is. Mm -hmm. And another good example, because a lot of 90% yeah. of the time, the answer is on the computer somewhere. Okay. If it's not, then we'll right. create it. So for example, we have a document that has like all the phone numbers that we might need and, and web addresses and all that kind of goodness. Uh, and that is saved on the computer. I don't want papers. We, we do have a piece of paper on our desk. So I will um, show you guys more about that. But there is one piece of paper that's allowed to be on your desk. And that's the deals that you're working on for the day. That's it. Nothing else should be on your desk. Yeah. If you got a bunch of papers, first of all, things are going to fall through the cracks. And second of all, it's overwhelming to have a bunch of stuff. So sure. the other thing that we do, and I think this is equally important, if a phone call comes in and someone does not ho know how to handle it, so they don't know the answer, like they're asking a really off the wall claims question or the billing is really complicated and convoluted and they can't figure it out. Anybody who gives me a call must barge the call and listen to the answer. And then when I get off the call, I'm going to call them back and say, okay, now, did you understand why I said that's the way it was? And do you understand? Because again, my primary job is making sure that they are more educated. And I tell them this in office meetings all the time, more educated than any Allstate or any other company agent anywhere. So I want my people to be so strong that no matter what company they worked for, they would be considered the encyclopedia inside that operation. Right. And how, and that makes them so valuable now, right? They're, they're much, they're, they're a magnitude more valuable because now, Hey, you bring somebody new in, guess what? Guess who doesn't have to train the new person? And, and so tell me why you think agents don't always do that. Why do they not spend time educating? Well, the, partly ego. Right. Correct. And there's no time because, because if you don't have the right systems and processes in place, then you're reactive. And if you're in reactive mode, your hair's always on fire. You can't do the things you need to do. Do you want to hear something else that's really crazy? Many years ago, yes. this probably 15 or 20 years ago, um, I would, when I was doing professional speaking, I would have people come up to me and ask, well, what if I spend all this money and I educate them and, you know, it's been two years and I pour into them and then they leave. And I never really knew how to answer that because I understood that was dumb, but I didn't really know how to answer it. And then I was reading a book and I wish I could remember who, whose book it was so I could give them credit. But in the book, it said, don't worry about what will happen if you educate your people and they leave. Worry about what will happen if you don't educate them and they stay. Oh, I love that. I don't <laughs> want to work with people that I have to apologize for because sure. they made dumb mistakes yeah well and it's like they're future tripping it's like yeah. what, I, 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 well i don't want to spend all this money and train them and then they leave it's like well okay forget that problem first if everybody's leaving after you've overtrained everybody then there's another problem there's a problem right? yeah but, but people are going to stay if they're better trained if they if there's a culture if they love where they're at they're going to stay I worked well, for an independent better. agent for three and a half years. Not once was I allowed any education in three and a half years. And I gave them notice and they said, okay, okay, we'll find some classes. We'll help educate you. We'll do some stuff. Never did, never did, never did. And at the end of three and a half years, I typed up a resignation and sat it on the owner's desk and he begged me, what will it take? What will it take? And I said, I no longer trust you. Mm. Mm. 
here's the deal. You lose that. Yeah. If, if you, you don't, don't want me to get stronger and better and smarter, I don't want to work here. And so even though he promised me a raise and promised me classes and promised me whatever, their trust was gone. I want to work with someone who wants to build me up, not tear me down. Mm. Yep. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, the the old school mentality is, you know, you come into the agency, you work hard, you you learn how to sell, and then I'll buy you leads or, or whatever, yeah. whatever it may be with all that, where it's like you have to earn it first. But it's like yeah. in reverse, you've just lost their, you know, you, you, you're not earning anything from there. From them. And if you have a, that level of education, you're providing a job opportunity. They know they can't get anywhere else. hundred percent. not the way it is in any other office. They know that. Yep. And so I've had people offer my team jobs. I have agents that will come visit my operation and they'll sit down and, and my staff will come tell me afterwards and they'll say, so-and-so that just sat down at my desk asked me why I don't go open my own office. And I'm like, really, dude, you come to my office just so that I can show you how to operate better. And then you're encouraging my people to go open their own operation, which has never happened once in 26 years. Right. But, you know, my people are smart enough to know I take dang good care of them. They have amazing yeah. benefits. Um, they're provided leads. They get everything they need and they don't have the headaches that I have. So, um, you know, if you provide an opportunity like that, no one can take your people, which is yeah. The best asset That's we have. So true. I mean, once yep. you've created that environment, they're not leaving. Mm -mm. You know, they're not they're, they're not going anywhere. If you, you you pay them more, you give them more leads, you provide more support. Nobody else is doing it. Absolutely. But I don't want to invest in all that if they're going to leave. <laughs> okay, <laughs> get out of here, negative <laughs> Nelly. <laughs> no, but these maybe are the real you costs, need to right? go work yeah. for someone else. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you just, I think that you know, I had that mindset, Jason, and I used to think that it's like, well, why spend the money? There's always turnover, and it's like, well, you're thinking about 100%. it the wrong way. There's always turnover because you're not spending the money, right? Yeah. It's, it's the chicken and yeah. egg, and it's easier to stick your head in the sand and say, you know what, I'm not going to spend the money on the training. I'm not going to spend the money on or the time on coming in and, and meeting them in the morning and spending that time because I, I just don't have time because I'm always looking because everybody always quits. Right. Yeah. Yep. Look at the, well, and we're always going to have turnover. That's just a part mm -hmm. of being in any business. It doesn't have anything right. to do with our particular industry. It's any business. There's going to be turnover, but all you can do is know in your heart that you're providing the absolute best opportunity for any person to come in. And then if they're crazy enough to leave or do something stupid and get fired, that's on them. Right. Right. Exactly. So what is, what, what has been one of the biggest mistakes that you've made throughout your, your career? Oh, mm, you're, okay. going, you're going there, huh? I've made a <laughs> lot. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think the biggest mistake, well, I know there's no question uh, in my 26 years, the biggest mistake I've made by far without a doubt is um, being a workaholic. And I spent a lot of my first five years, I, I was a single female, 33 years old when I opened my company, my children were, you know, 10 and 13. And I was so petrified, literally petrified for the first five years of whether or not I would be able to pay the bills month to month. And I couldn't relax when I went home. And 
I would get up at four in the morning and go to work and I would work until I thought, well, am I going to get in trouble if I stay just another 15 minutes? And I would still probably stay another 15 minutes and get in trouble. I absolutely prioritize my business above my family. And that's my biggest regret because not only did it cost me in my relationship with my spouse, but it absolutely impacted my relationship with my children. And um, one situation in particular, my oldest got a little frustrated with me one day and she was asking me if she could do something and I was too tired to even talk to her and I just said no and went to bed and it was early because I was exhausted and that was pretty much my MO at the time and the next morning I was at work at 10 o'clock and I never leave never leave the office. And I just got this feeling that I need to go home, which made no sense at all whatsoever to me because it wasn't even lunchtime. It was 10 o'clock and I kept talking myself out of it. And I thought, no, you need to go home. And I thought, that's so dumb. I drive up in my driveway and my 17-year-old daughter had her Ford Mustang backed up into the garage and she was packing everything from her room and moving out without even telling me. And it was three months before graduation. Well, what went through your head? I, I, all, all I could think of in that moment was I would give up everything I own to not have damaged the relationship with my child. And when I told her, can you please come sit down and talk to me? She said, oh, now you have time for me. Mm. That's brutal. And those words will never, ever, ever. Um, I mean, I have a tremendously close relationship with my kids now. But let's just say I've done a lot of apologizing over the years, and obviously they've forgiven me. But definitely the biggest problem I had was just not being a workaholic and realizing I absolutely have to force myself to be present when I'm home. I think that's the difficult part. Not just be home, but be present when you're home. Well, we can get so focused on the business because there's so much at stake, but Again, it comes down to the staff. If you put the right people in place, now you can do the work when you need to and you want to, but you can also pull back. And I wish, you know, same thing with me. I wish that I could go back in the time machine and, and, you know, some of those times when it was, you know, working from morning till late at night, you know, I didn't need to. All I needed to do was identify the right people and then I could work when I needed, but also pull back. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. And truth, that. truth be told, I think sometimes we need to do a heart check and stop and think: mm. Is this my ego that I want to sell mm. one more policy, or greed that I want to sell one more policy, or is it that I really, really, really can't go home yet? Because in right. my case, I mean, it was my ego can. and greed, always, always. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I struggle with. And Craig and I talk about it all the time is just, um, you know, like we, we both, we love to work, you know, and it's like, you know, originally, why do we all, us with families and stuff, why do we do it for our family? Right. But then mm-hmm. it's like, that becomes the excuse of why you work so hard. And then it, it then you lose sight of, okay, well, when I'm home, I'm checking emails, like to your point with the, on the phone or, or doing all this stuff. And you're like half there. And it's like, yeah. now where are you, where are your priorities? Because your priorities are whatever you spend the most time on. Like when somebody says, I don't have time to do that. It's not that you don't have time to do that. You have the same amount of time as anybody else. You just don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's what it feels yeah. like to the other person or whatever, yeah, you know, for sure. so it's like, it's crazy. Um, well, yeah, well, we hit on, that. we hit on your, on, on, on a mistake. What about some strengths? What, what has been your superpower at your oh, agency? 
Yeah, and I, I think um, it's a team superpower. It's it's mm. definitely now the education. I mean, we have a reputation in our town of we have other agents, staff calling us and going, how can I do this? Um, but more importantly, we have the reputation with the community. We have the reputation with um, other companies um, that our people are super, super, super educated. And if there's anything that I could want to be our culture and our reputation, it would be that we're super educated. Okay, we're really weird. I created this document. Y'all are going to think I'm nutcakes. And it's just crazy. <laughs> it's called Wacky Wisdom. And it's about 250 questions. And it's like Jeopardy, okay? So it'll be like, okay, if a customer has an accident and they have a rental car, how many days are they allowed to be in the rental car? And, you know, then there might be another question that says they totaled their vehicle, all states decided it's totaled, how many days do they have before they have to turn the rental car in? And it's all in a PowerPoint slide, so we can pop it up and we do it once or twice a week in the office meetings. And I'll call on somebody and then pop up the question. They have to read the question, provide the answer, and then the PowerPoint will pop up the answer afterwards. So just this constant environment of we're going to know it all. You don't get to be stupid in my world. <laughs> I love that. How do you, so you, you, you spend a ton of time training your staff, which is freaking awesome. So you have this rock star staff. When is it time to add, to add more staff? Very good question. It's so funny because whenever I first um, opened my operation, I, I thought, you know, a certain number of of policies and that was right. But the number that I was given was so stupid. It was not even rational. Uh, what we what we use here in our office is we try and stay around 800 policies per person at the very most. And I like to be closer to 650. Um, and the reason why is because I don't want to burden my service team to the point to where they don't have time to help get sales. If they're talking to someone, I expect them to take advantage of that opportunity. And that is something we have really honed in on this year and gotten good at. Um, is every single contact is an opportunity. Um, but I feel like, you know, overall as a whole, if I can stay between 650 and 800 policies per person, uh, then in that situation, I know for sure there's no excuse for anybody to say, well, I was too busy to try and close anything this month. So every mm -hmm. single person in the operation, everyone bar none must have both their property and casualty license and their life license within 90 days of their hire. They absolutely must have binding authority. I don't care if they don't sell an actual life application, but they must contribute to the bottom line with the life insurance, bringing bring in the leads. Um, at the end of 90 days, if you don't have both licenses, you're fired. And there is requirements for every single person in the operation. So I, I it's very clear that you have to pull your weight mm. uh, because it's just not fair to anybody else. If somebody's like, well, I don't really want to get licensed. And it's, I just, it's going to drag the team down in my opinion. Yeah. So we just, we have a hard and fast rule. It's just not allowed. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, some agents come in, maybe they don't have management experience. Uh, they tiptoe around some of these, these things with, you know, setting those expectations, um, creating, uh, just, just really setting those expectations of, of this is what will happen. The ball is in your court, right? Like nobody gets fired here. They and then they're know, held like, hostage. They they're held yeah. hostage for the rest of their life because they're so yeah. afraid of losing someone. 
And it's like, no, if you can't create the culture and have a cl very clear definition of exactly what's expected of every single person that's coming in mm -hmm. and you tell them before they come in, you don't yeah. surprise them. You know what I mean? On day one and go, Oh, by the way, you got to do this. Um, right. You know what I mean? Right. But you have every single agent before they even open the business should have an operations manual and not just yeah. insurance, every business, because then that way the expectations are very clear. I, I had someone who uh, came to work for me March the 1st. Uh, she was terminated on March the 28th. The expectation was very clear. She had to sell X number of policies in the first 30 days. She didn't even do 10% of that. And it's like, you know, on day 28, I said, do you want to work two more days? Because technically you have until the 30th day. And she goes, no, I think I'll go ahead and get another job somewhere else. I mean, she knew. I didn't have to shock her by telling her she didn't meet my expectations. Right. She knew when she came what the expectations were. And that particular person came in with a license. But you know, there has to be very clear expectations and they're non-negotiable. If you bend a little bit, then three months later, you're going to be still bending. It's just mm -hmm. this never ending battle. It's sometimes it's just not the right person and you have to be okay with that and let them know that yeah. you would prefer they go somewhere where they can find something that's great for them. What do you yep. do to set them up for success when they start? Yeah, I, we have a training checklist, and I think that's uh -huh. crucial. It's it's a very ugly document. It's just an Excel document that's really nasty, ugly. But it's for me so that I don't forget to show them how to do 70 things, you know what I mean, in the first week. Um, and I personally am connected. We hired someone who started on Monday, and I spent several hours with him yesterday on Zoom doing training. And I think time with me is crucial in that first few days, setting that very clear culture. <laughs> He knows about the rocks. He knows what our core values are. He knows that they're non-negotiable. Um, I gave him an assignment on Sunday. I said, I need you to read Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman. He sent me an email yesterday and said, I finished reading that book. Which one do you want me to read next? Mm. So mm. have super high expectations for your people. And then you'll realize real quick who your leaders are. And you'll realize really quick who is driven and hungry um you know what i mean and it's that's the kind of thing that you're looking for someone that'll raise their hand and say what else can i do what else can i do what else can i do so i think spending a lot of time and being very clear about the expectations the reason the tra training checklist became an issue was because i had one person who'd been working for me two years and this is embarrassing to admit, but I'm always brutally honest. And I got a phone call from her. I was sitting at my desk and she called in. She goes, what's an umbrella? Mm. And I thought, I what's didn't a... teach her what an umbrella was. Oh my gosh. Now, now that would never happen because obviously they have to sell umbrellas, but you know, I, she'd been with me two years and didn't even know what it was. So all of these Whoa. things like wacky wisdom and the training checklist and all this other stuff is to see to it that I have them up and roaring quick because I want my people to make a ton of money. The way they make a ton of money is me getting them educated, me doing call coaching, which is huge, um, and making sure that they're getting quality leads. And my job is to stir up the muck and find opportunities and make sure that everybody has plenty of opportunities, but they're responsible for making it happen. Mm -hmm. I love that. So what would you say? I mean, you just listed a lot of stuff. What primarily is Laura's job in the agency? It's very simple. I, I'm there. 
There are currently, uh, I told you, a leader for the sales team and the service team. So they report directly to me if they have questions or problems, which doesn't happen a lot. Um, if somebody runs into something that's just a really weird thing, I had a very odd condominium situation where we had to read bylaws and declarations pages and all this other stuff um, because it was not going to be insured like a normal one. Um, those kind of things come at me, just the really off the wall crazy things that I've got to get involved in. But here's what I love. This is what I do 90% of my day. I start the day with um, cleaning out whatever emails I need to clean out. And then the rest of the day, starting typically at about 8.30 in the morning, I am on the phone doing policy reviews. I love doing policy reviews. I love talking to the customers. I have found, and this is terrible to admit, just being honest, um, twice in the last week, I was talking to a customer who happened to have life insurance with us. And the beneficiary was a person who's deceased. Oh. They don't have any use for that money. That's two times in the last week. And I'm yeah. thinking every time something like that pops up, oh, goodness, even worse. Last week, I had one where the beneficiary was the EFS. Oh. And I called wow. the EFS, and I'm like, do you even know this person? He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, do you know this person? I gave him the name. And he goes, no. And I said, well, this shows that you wrote this policy in 1995. And the company says, you're the beneficiary. And he's like, no, I'm not. Well. Unfortunately, somehow he really was on the policy Whoa. as a beneficiary. So, you know what I mean? There's, and that's just three examples with life insurance, but it happens all the time that there's an excluded driver and they're like, oh no, I have him driving now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, I have found situations where they thought they had a car covered and it was never added. Yeah. And so we promise, and this is part of our culture. We promise every single person that we write new business on, you will get a phone call from us every single year and we will review your coverages. So we start the beginning of the year by saying, okay, this is how many policies we have in force. We've got five people in the service department that are doing are responsible for doing policy reviews. We divide it up. This year it happened to work out where every person in the service department has to do three every day and I have to do five every day. I hold myself, I hold myself always to a higher standard. I have the highest talk time almost every single day. I do more policy reviews every single day. I hold myself to a higher standard, but if I do five every day and the rest of the team does three every day, then we will get every single policy reviewed before the end of the year. And no. so we, we and look at that every, every single year to because I don't want a customer to be surprised at claim time. I tell customers all the time, you will not have a surprise at claim time with us. And it's a huge opportunity, right? You're taking care of the clients. You're creating, you're creating stickier business. It's a development strategy, right? You're no taking question. your current book and you're growing it exponentially because you already have the most important thing, which is the trust, right? They yes. trust you. Yes. And so you do that review, you uncover opportunities, not only for you, but also for them, because if they don't have that umbrella, if they, if the beneficiary isn't right, I mean, holy moly, right? That's a, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't uh, tell her that the EFS was her beneficiary. <laughs> yeah, no, I just lied and said, every 10 years we have to do a new one. <laughs> Good so, thing nobody was, listens to this. I'm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I didn't say her name. Yeah. I didn't say her name. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, what what do you think is the the most challenging piece of being an agent? Like for, for agents that, that are, you know, people that want to come and do this, what is the most challenging thing? I think it changes. Uh -huh. I, I think in the first 90 days, no question, it's technology. 
just trying oh, to understand yeah. where to find stuff and it's broken half the time or things are just, you know, it's just technology in general and understanding how to make things work is the first 90 days. Other than that, in the first five years, I would say the biggest stress by far is the financial things, just worrying about are the finances going to work and what if we have a bad month, am I going to be able to pay my bills? Once you get past the first five years, it's death. It's finding quality people and not having turnover. And then when you finally get to that golden spot where you actually have an adequate number of staff and they actually are all good, uh, the next challenge, and this is where I'm at now, is um, just we've got the service department, the sales department. I wish we had a life department. I've oh. tried hiring four different times, hiring a full-time person to do nothing but life insurance inside my operation. I would kill to have a full-time person. And I will always still use our exclusive financial specialist. I'm not trying to go around that system. I've never written a piece of solo business. We always give them credit. But I would like to have someone full-time in the office to do the small stuff. I mean, I personally have done at least five beneficiary changes this week. And that's not something I should be doing. You know what I mean? Like that, I would love to have an actual person in charge of the department and they're reviewing every policy every year. They're looking for retirement um, opportunities, you know, for um, investment opportunities with some of our customers. They're looking for all state benefits. So finding situations where there's the ability to pull in additional income, particularly, I feel like that one department is a little harder, does, but it varies. Does your EFS... Or, or your life specialist, does he review those policies? I work with more than one. One does, one okay. doesn't. Yeah. And and we all know that it is illegal, absolutely illegal to not do uh, annual reviews on any type of investments. I called today on a client who has a variable universal life policy with us. I looked, the last time they were even called was in 2016. Okay, mm. <laughs> because, and this is just being really honest. Remember I told you at the beginning of the year, we figure out how many we have to do. We have always been using the My Work Items program to see who do I do, who do I do, who do I do? Well, guess what? The life insurance doesn't show up in there. So it didn't occur to me until just the last three months that some of those customers who have life insurance with us haven't gotten any reviews. And I can't put it on the life specialist to expect them to do a review on every single policy because they might and then they might not. I am ultimately responsible, particularly on the securities products. And so I just call them and say, listen, do you want me to have someone to call you and review those investments? Because I'm not going to do it. I have a Series 7 license. I could do it. I have a CLU, a CHFC, and a CIC. I Oof. could do it. I ain't touching it. I will not touch an investment. I don't write any. I won't touch them. I won't even review them. But I will ask them, would you like someone to review it? And then I'll put really good notes in there if they say no. And then if they say yes, then I will get someone to call them back and go over the investments. But it is super important to me um, to not ever get involved in troubles with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Right. So one final question that you always answer, but I'm going to ask this differently this time. Okay. Ooh, um, Mr. Jason. We like the times have a change since the last time we talked to you. So we always ask what was the one best piece of advice you give somebody coming into the industry or somebody who wants to rock this year. So now with what's going on, how has that changed? Like what would be the new piece of advice that you would give? Mm. Or maybe if it hasn't changed, maybe. It's Can I tell you to take advantage of coronavirus? Here's Ooh. why. 
back in October of last year, my operation went to, we do not take cash. Mm. And I really pushed my team because they, I make them make a list of what's not working. They're like, we're spending an hour a day dealing with the bank, you know, either closing out the deposit, going to the bank, sitting in a line, whatever. And I'm like, uh-uh, that's a non-negotiable. So we signed up for mobile banking where we can just take a photo of the check and we send it in and it's done in two seconds. We have been doing that since October. It is had a monster impact on our business. So check and see if you have the ability to do that. Use coronavirus. Everybody knows with coronavirus that places don't like to take cash right now. Use this as the excuse. And it really is no cash. a thousand times, it's a thousand times more, um, more rational. I would also hope that, and I know you can't do this typically in the first couple of years, but one of my biggest mistakes is I waited too long to buy a building. And not counting my own people, my people are my best business decisions ever. The next best business decision I ever made was buying the building because we were in it for less than seven years. I was able to pay it off. I have no rent. And that was thousands of dollars every month yeah. that I was spending thousands. I would also beg of you during coronavirus, don't stop marketing. The, search engine, the search engine optimization person that I use, I actually called her as soon as coronavirus started because I thought everyone else is going to pull back on their marketing dollars. If everyone else is going left, you go right. Always go right if they're going left. And so what I did was as soon as it happened, I called my SEO girl who I've been using since 2011. And I told her, I want you to spend an extra $700 a month on search engine optimization because I know I'm going to get and the return has been huge because of the fact that everyone else is pulling back. When everyone else is pulling back, you've got to lean, don't lean in. I don't like those words. Okay, but do good. And, <laughs> and we've also increased, um, most of you guys are familiar with um, quote nerds and, and, you know, the dollar dude leads. And we've increased spend on that stuff because I can afford to buy more leads. Now people are sitting at home. You're going to get in touch with so many more people yeah. that, than you would have three months ago. So that's, that's it. I think there's just, don't be afraid. If you live in fear, it's, it's impossible for you to lead a team. And so mm, whether you are a staff member or an agent, you can't lead if you're in fear. So it's okay to be there for about two seconds, figure out what your triggers are to get you out of it. For me, I'll play a certain song, Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping. And the minute <laughs> I feel myself feeling fear, I'll put Tub Thumping on and it's like, man, I got the boxing gloves out again. Me and Rocky, we're going to go get it, you know? So hey, you get back just, down or you get back up again. Yeah, Nothing's and, ever gonna keep exactly. You down. And, and, and reach out to mentors. You guys are both super good about helping agents. You know, anyone is perfectly welcome to reach out to me. Just send me an email. Um, but reach out to me, reach out to mentors, because sometimes someone else's perspective on what your challenge is, is super simple for them to yep. solve because it's not their own problem. They can't fix their own problems, but I can hear yours and I can fix them in two seconds. Sure. You know, give me 10 minutes okay. on the phone and I can pretty much solve the world's problems. So thank you. Love guys. it. Uh. Thank you. And so that was a three Pete. And as always at the end of a conversation with you, will you come back again? I would love to. Ooh, thank you for, for the, the invite. Pack. Yeah. Yeah. There's always Anytime, back so we always leave with like these clipping, like 20 other, you know, unless it was a 17 hour podcast. I don't think we'd ever get through everything that we talk about. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't shut up. That's for sure. So oh, we'll I save love a little it. for the next time. 
Cool. cool. Thank you, Laura. Dude, it's Always a pleasure. So good. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.